You're listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media and supported by the Western Weekender. For three decades, Penrith and the Blue Mountains have turned to the Western Weekender. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. Here is your host, Jonathan Robinson Lees. Hannah Darlington was raised in Erskine Park and surrounded herself with a myriad of sports from a young age. Support and guidance from her parents ensured that there was more to her upbringing than just cricket, with a deliberate emphasis on socialising with friends and a commitment to education. Being involved with the New South Wales Breakers and Sydney Thunder squads from her teenage years, Hannah developed a sound understanding of the game and important life skills from her senior players. Biding her time, Hannah went on to make her debut last summer for Sydney Thunder in WBBL 5 leading the team with 16 wickets and going on to claim the Rookie of the Year title across the league. Hannah joins us virtually for the latest episode of the Passion and Perspective podcast. Hannah, welcome to the Passion and Perspective podcast. Thanks, Jono. Thanks for having me. Hannah, last season, 2019-20 summer, you were juggling your HSC Year 12 exams. You made your WBBL debut for Sydney Thunder and you went on to claim the Rookie of the Year award with 16 wickets, the most for any Sydney Thunder player that year. What was that experience like for you? Yeah, I think if anyone would have told me um, I was going to be playing to start off with, I probably would have um, you know, caught them in the, in the mid-sentence and said, yeah, maybe not this year. But the fact I had the season I did, um, definitely wasn't expecting it. Um, but I think having the HSC there to kind of keep my mind off cricket was probably a reason I had such a good season. Um, you know, my stress wasn't all around cricket. It was really, um, you know, how can I juggle and, and put things into perspective in terms of what I need to get done in this present moment. And that was either, you know, study for an exam or go and prep um, with the Sydney Thunder. So, yeah, I do put my success down to the fact that all my focus wasn't on cricket. Um, but yeah, definitely a season I wouldn't have expected, but one I'm really glad I had and it's really set me up for my career. You talked about juggling HSC and cricket and, and I guess being able to focus on exactly what's in front of you. How important do you think that is for any professional athlete to have something outside of the sport to occupy your time and to kind of separate you from that sport a little bit? Yeah, I was always told by coaches, senior players, um, those real senior figures around teams that having something apart from cricket um, is really important. And I was lucky to have that HSC um, high school. I played a lot of cricket during high school and now studying in university while being, um, you know, that semi-professional cricketer. So I think it's really important just having that balance in your life. Um, you know, cricket's a tough game. You're not always going to have a good day. So having something else to, to kind of be there on the side um, and take priority other times is really important. And yeah, I think the way I went about doing the HSC during cricket is in terms of exactly, as I said, um, what I needed to get done in that present moment. I'd have everything planned out, but um, yeah, I wasn't really one to, to stress ahead. I was more, what can I do in this moment um, to get what I need done? And I think that's what put me in the best stead in terms of cricket and the HSC. And is that something you feel that's in, ingrained in you, that ability to kind of compartmentalise from one thing to the next? Or have you deliberately made an effort to focus on that? Yeah, I think because I was chucked into the professional cricket world quite young, I had to learn that. So I was in, what, year 9, 10, 11, 12, all those years going through and trying to juggle cricket um, and school, which 
a lot of the girls have to do now these days. There's so many young players out there doing the same thing. But yeah, I think as being a 15 year old and having to juggle, you know, traveling around the country, um, it definitely taught me young. And I think, you know, mum and dad were really good for that in terms of just not stressing me out in terms of what I had coming up, but just making sure I was on top of it in the moments. And, and to be fair, there was times there where I was so stressed. I, I took a break and you needed that. Um, but yeah, I think to, to break things down into a day by day, instead of what do I need to get done this week and kind of freak yourself out. Um, I was kind of one to, to sit down and be like, what can I get done today? Or what can I get done in the next hour? Um, and I've kind of done that with my cricket as well, not looking ahead, um, which I'm probably pretty lucky I figured out quite young. And last season, you played alongside some of the all-time greats, uh, Rachel Haynes, Renee Farrell, uh, to name a few. What did you learn most from a cricketing perspective from those athletes? Yeah, some would say um, I kind of, you know, stuck to those players and tried to learn as much as I could have. I think I didn't have a net session where I wasn't bowling in the same net as Renee Farrell on purpose, just because I felt I could learn so much um, and probably didn't want to face her anyway. Um, so I think, yeah, having those players, um, Alex Blackwell in there was, has been my childhood idol since I first started playing cricket. Um, and just some of those early net sessions in the start of the season when I kind of got the vibe that I was going to be playing um, and kind of the realisation that I was going to be lucky enough to play alongside her um, was really exciting. But I think the Thunder were so lucky last year to have Rach as skipper. Um, she did an amazing job and was just so calm and collected that kind of helped me be calm and collected as well. But you, some of the knowledge you take away from those players is invaluable and they, they genuinely know their game so well. Um, and to help let them help me figure out my game a bit was helpful as well. And is there anything in particular you take from those players? Is it in their preparation, how they handle themselves in the game? Was there one thing you can put your finger on or is it the kind of just a general package as a player? Yeah, I think all of them kind of had their different ways of repairing or, or different ways um, they went about their cricket. And I think that's what I took away from it was this, they knew their sel- themselves so well. Um, you know, I took from Rach how calm she can be in situations, but also the hardest trainer, um, one of the hardest workers I've seen, one of the most professional people I've seen. And I took that away from her in terms of when she's on and switched on, she's the most rep- professional person in the in the group. And then kind of to go, Al is probably one of the smartest cricketers I've ever met. Um, and that's what I kind of took away from her, just being game smart. Um, and it's so easy to just get caught up in the game and the tactics, but you know, what can I do this ball? I think it comes back to that again, you know, not, not thinking about what had happened before or, or what's going to happen after. But um, she, she really taught me that in terms of setting my fields. And then Fez is one of the best um, and will be one of the best T20 bowlers ever. And that's why I was always in the nets with her and I'd kind of sit down with her before games and kind of sort out my field. But it all just comes back to they know themselves so well. And did you feel, Hannah, that you know, when you first saw your name on the team sheet, when you first ran out, say, on, on North Sydney Oval uh, or any of those iconic venues, did you... Did you feel like you'd made it as a cricketer? Uh, I don't think I'd say I felt like I made it. I think I felt like I was where I was supposed to be in that moment. Um, that's kind of how I looked at it. And I think I, I you know, had those two years before on a contract that I kind of um, you know, waited my time. And I think as soon as I kind of saw my, ne- game, my name on the game sheet, um, it wasn't a sense of I've made it. It's a sense of um, belonging and that it was worth the wait. I think that was the biggest part. I don't know if I'll ever say I think I've made it. Um, it's more of, yeah, I'm where I am supposed to be right now. What difference do you think the WBBL has made for 
you know, young girls who are aspiring to make their, their career in cricket like you, like, you know, like you were when the competition started and, you know, the, the athletes have been playing for a long time. What difference has the league made? Yeah, I still remember sitting at Howell Oval, the first Big Bash game. I sat there and did the side screen with Dad and a couple mates. Um, and I just remember sitting there watching the Sydney Thunder play the Sixers and go, one day, like, I want to play for the Thunder. And it was just a, a light bulb moment. And I think just seeing them live um, right there, I was amongst the group, you know, a year later. Um, and that kind of stuff, um, you know, was really good as a kid to be able to see, you know, these players live on TV however it might be, um, and just to show it's possible. I think, um, you know, I've spoken to the senior players and we have so much access now as younger kids coming through all these different pathways, all these different opportunities, which I was lucky to come into. But, um, yeah, it's, it's the fact that you can't be what you can't, um, what you can't see. So, you know, just being able to see these, these girls on TV who are, you know, the best in the world, I think really helps. And, Hattie, you talked about the experience you had alongside some of the, the veteran players. And, you know, we spoke about the on-field success you had with 16 wickets for that season. What did you learn most personally? Where was your biggest area of personal growth through that first uh, on-field season with Sydney Thunder? Yeah, I think, um, you know, off-field growth um, and what I learned about myself was, um, you know, I don't think I believe that I could make it at that level that, that yet. And that probably comes down to learning what I learn about myself as a cricketer. But I think off field, um, you know, little things I picked up along the way in terms of this is what makes me, um, you know, I figured out real quickly that I need to be bubbly around the group to play the best game. If I'm a bit quiet or anything like that, something's probably a bit off. Um, and also, um, I, I guess it comes back to what I'm like as a cricketer, but I like to be intimidating on the field. So bringing that and I never thought of it before but why not be intimidating in the nets that kind of stuff so um it was just little things and I don't think I've learned it all completely like I've only had one se season at the top level so it was kind of little things in terms of what makes me the best player I can be but bringing it off the field as well um but yeah I, th I still think I'm learning that. Hannah, you were born and raised in Erskine Park a suburb of the Penrith region what was your childhood like? Yeah, so I've lived in Erskine Park my whole life, um, you know, proud Penrith. Um, and yeah, really enjoyed having a park across the road. So um, as I said, lived in the same spot, had that same park across the road my whole life. Um, and it, was, it, it all kind of started, dad would kind of kick um, footies up in the trees and see if we could kind of catch them. And I, that's all I remember was these big footies coming down, hitting me in the head, taking it on the chest. Um, and then it kind of turned into my brother was old enough to, to be able to play cricket with me. So we'd go over the park and see who would be able to hit it on the road the furthest and just little memories like that, you know, up the driveway, those kind of things. So I think that's where I got my competitiveness from because my brother was quite good at a young age as well. So, um, yeah, it was a, a really nice upbringing. I think I'm very grateful for that park across the road. I don't really have backyard memories because it was all in the park. And, yeah, I had a couple of cool kids um, that were in the same years or kind of the same years as my brother that we all kind of, We'll play on this one path um, in the park and you'd always try and hit it in the neighbour's fence. So just little memories like that uh, are really grateful for. And that freedom, that sense to explore and kind of create your own fun and excitement, how important do you think that is for any kids growing up? Yeah, I used to love coming home from school, 
and you it wasn't at that stage where you'd send your friends a message to see what they're up to. It was just straight out the door, straight across to the park, um, whether we're playing footy, we're playing cricket. It kind of depended on the season. We were very big on if it was footy season, we'd play footy. Um, if it was cricket, we'd play cricket. Um, but yeah, I think I put down a lot of my success to just being able to, you know, have that fun as a kid to go out the, go out the front door, um, grab your mates along the way and just go out and play sport all afternoon. Um, I absolutely loved it. And I didn't mind playing against the boys as well. Um, you know, I kind of enjoyed the, the competition. You spoke about, you know, earlier, your parents helping you through the HSC, helping keep you grounded, you know, growing up, playing sport with your brother. What influence did family have on you through your upbringing? Yeah, massive, I think. Um, mum and dad were really important in terms of just making sure I had an, a normal childhood. Like I said, came into the professional environment quite early and, um, you know, going to a sports school, those kind of things, it would have been very easy to kind of get a big head and kind of maybe push school to the side or whatever it might have been. But they were imp important in terms of, you know, making sure I was always hanging out with my school friends, not always with the cricket girls. I think little things like that were really important. You know, just making sure I still had that, that kind of 16-year-old kid life, um, hanging out with friends, going to parties, whatever it might have been. It was just those things that were really important that I might not have experienced if mum and dad were so big on pushing it. You know, yeah, they always kind of made sure cricket was there and cricket was doing what it needed to do. But, um, yeah, I was just able to live that life as a normal teenager. And I look back at it now and there were so many times I, you know, would get home from training and didn't really want to do anything. Um, but, you know, they'd drop me off at a friend's place and, you know, I'd have a great time because, you know, it was my time away from cricket. And that was really important. I think they've, they've been really good in that aspect. And as a young girl, Hannah, did you have ambitions or did you visualise yourself as a, as a professional athlete playing on the biggest stage? Or for you, was sport and the outdoors just about fun at that age? Yeah, I think when I was younger, it was just about having fun, um, probably about how many hours I could spend in the park playing different sports and that kind of thing. But I grew up playing netball. Um, that was my first love. And I played that for six years. And I think I'd always seen myself as a professional athlete, but probably as a netballer, to be honest. And then, you know, I kind of made a couple of rep, rep sides for, for netball and that was about it. Um, and then cricket kind of took off. And I think it just changed mindset in terms of I want to be a professional cricketer. And I think I was lucky that from the beginning, I always had the ambition of I, I want to be a professional. I want to play for Australia, that kind of stuff. And yeah, there was never a stage of when I was older, um, I'm just going to play sport for fun. I was really competitive and, you know, I wanted to be the best out there. And, and that was as simple as it was. Were there any particular idols you looked up to, you know, whether it was netball, cricket, footy, anyone that you said, you know, I want to be like them? Yeah, there was a couple. Um, obviously, being netball, I went to the same primary school as Paige Hadley. So I remember in year six, she came out and did the sports presentation and I remember getting a couple of different awards and she's like, well, you play like a couple of different sports. And I was like, yeah, um, one day I'm going to play for Australia in one of them. Um, and I remember seeing her at awards nights at Penrith Valley Sports and different kind of things like that. Um, and she's like, yeah, like you, you might actually. And it was really cool to see that, um, you know, and, and another Penrith local went to the same primary school. That was really cool. Um, didn't really have many um, cricket idols. I was a massive fan of Mitchell Johnson when I, became um, aware of watching cricket and I just remember an Ashes series where he absolutely tore apart the Poms in England and that's where I got my my fire to try and bowl quick but I'll I'll definitely never bowl that quick um, but another one I can't go past Greg Inglis he was always the one I'd watch on the footy field and just the way he goes about you know leading from the front 
um, his pride in being Indigenous, I just really took a lot from him. Um, so they're probably three that, that stand out the most. Touching on, uh, you mentioned Paige Hadley there. Penrith and the Blue Mountains area has a, a rich history of producing athletes and, and people in all kind of different walks of life who, who really excel and exceed. Do you think there's, you know, is there something that is commonplace with a lot of those people? Is it the opportunity? Is it that, uh, that love for sport that's so ingrained in our, our local culture? Yeah, I think all the involvement I've had in Penrith sports and I've had a lot through netball and cricket, it's always, we always just seem to have the talent there. There's so much youth talent and that's just coming down to the amount of love we have for sport. And I have no idea what it is, but it seems that like, even if a team in Penrith's doing well, you kind of can tell, um, you know, whether you've got mates, people who are supporting Penrith, you're always seeing it. Um, you know, I don't support Penrith myself, but I'm always aware of when they're doing well because I know I'm from Penrith. Um, in any sport, in any Western Sydney team, I think it, it's massive in terms of the impact it has on what's going on in Penrith, and I absolutely love it. Um, and, yeah, these athletes that are coming out of Penrith and Western Sydney, are, you know, there's something special about them, I think, and you can kind of pick them out in teams and the ones who have that bit of grit. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome to, to be able to see them kind of come through the Penrith area. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. For three decades, Penrith and the surrounding community has turned to the Western Weekender. Whether it's the Weekender's highly revered print edition or its up-to-date news offerings through its digital presence, the Weekender truly is the heartbeat of Penrith. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. Hannah... During uh, your schooling years, uh, a mishap at school led to uh, an ultimatum for you. Uh, join the boys' cricket team uh, or uh, go to detention at lunchtime. Uh, you took the first option, joining the cricket team. Do you kind of consider that as a bit of a sliding doors moment? So, you know, had you taken detention as the option that you might not be where you are today? Or do you feel that you always would have uncovered that, that love and that option of playing cricket? Yeah, I guess at that stage, I'm probably pretty lucky that I was a real good kid at school because I was never going to take the option of detention. I was a real goody two-shoes. Um, and the the teacher, I, his daughter was in my year as well. So pretty lucky I had a bit of an idea of cricket before, but never considered actually playing it. Um, so yeah, it, it was a pretty weird moment, but I'm pretty lucky I was a good kid at school. So I chose the cricket option. And those first experiences with ball in hand or bat in hand, what did you love about the game at a young age, Hannah? Yeah, I was pretty lucky, um, as I said, going straight into the boys' team. But I had a lot of mates at school who were keen um, to start a girls' team. So I actually went straight into a girls' team. And I just remember how much fun I had playing with my mates. That's all it was. I looked forward to going to training at lunch because I could hang out with my mates all day. Or when we had a carnival and we'd go out to... Blacktown International Sports Park for the whole day, um, sitting in the sun, playing with your mates. Um, that's all I remember. I don't remember anything that happened in terms of I was just having a ball playing with my mates and they all wanted to be there as well. They were all as competitive because I wanted to win. So they were kind of like, let's make Hannah happy and try and win. Um, and it was awesome. I remember we got to go to the SCG because we won. And these are just kind of all moments that 
you look back on and you go, it was all just because I love the sport. And I think that's why I come back to it now in terms of that's why I play because I love the sport. Um, I'm competitive as anyone and I want to win, but I think I wanted to win because my mates wanted to win as well. So yeah, I kind of bring it back to that a lot. That competitiveness and drive to win, but also the love for the game. Is that how you approach leadership as a player? Like you don't have to have the captain you know, next to your name you know, or, or wear the captain's armband. But do you see that as your role as a leader within your teams? Yeah, I think I've always loved having the C next to my name and I've been lucky to do it in a number of groups. But yeah, I guess leading from the front can come in many different ways. And, and for me, that is by just reinstilling that love of the sport to everyone, but also kind of pushing that competitive nature um, and figuring out what works different for everyone. I think able to understand your players um, and that just comes down to knowing them um, sitting down having this casual conversation in terms of learning what they need when they're in the middle or learning what they need when they're off the field um, and it also comes back to just having respect um, you know you want them to have respect for you but you can't expect that if you don't respect them as well so um, yeah leadership is something that I've you know been happy to do a lot of but um, it does come back to that competitive nature that if you know you kind of lead from the front and can help with a win um, having that C next to your name is pretty cool. Now, Hannah, you attended Westfield Sports High School and the first female cricketer uh, through that program. We had Josh Layla on the Passion and Perspective podcast a few series ago, and he also attended Westfield and mentioned that the biggest learning he took was just developing developing the skill of how to win and a mentality of how to win in sport, to win from any situation um, and, and really drive that competitiveness. What's probably the biggest learning that you took from your time at Westfield Sports High School? Yeah, I actually think my biggest learning was off the field um, in terms of going to Westfield Sports. I joined in year nine um, after the head coach came to a nationals and kind of just poked around in terms of, you know, I was close to Westfield, so why not come and join? And I, I convinced mum and dad. But I think for me, it was the fact that everybody there was for the same reason. And, you know, at my previous high school, which was just the local one, you know, I was kind of the cricket girl. But at Westfields, I was nothing. I was just like everybody else. And I think I enjoyed that in terms of, you know, you had to go and sort stuff out for yourself if you were going to be away. And that's probably where I've got the, the um, you know, the part of my career where I'm just going day by day, moment by moment. Because at Westfields, I had to be organised because <laughs> there was no excuse for being a sports person because everybody played sport and everybody was good at sport. Um, you know, I was, I didn't really get to play many games for the school um, due to being away and all those kind of different things. But my, yeah, my def, my biggest learning was probably how it brought me up as a person. Um, and that was just to, to work hard because you were the same as everybody else at the school. And what importance do you personally, but also your family, what importance do you put on education? Yeah, education has always been the main priority for me and my brother. Um, you know, mum and dad were always big on it doesn't matter what results you get as long as you put in all your effort. And I've never been one that could just fluke a result or didn't have to put in the, the, um, the effort to get a result. I always had to be the one that worked really hard to get a result, put in extra hours. Um, so, yeah, and I think my brother's the exact same. We've kind of noticed that. Um, but, it, yeah, it just came down to the fact that it's something that needs to, to have your whole effort um, when you're doing it and yeah I had I had the the choice to move to Westfields and I could have easily focused on sport a lot more there but it kind of clicked in mindset and it, it probably changed my focus to schooling a bit more because 
um, you know, I could kind of look forward to going to gym at lunch or cricket training in the afternoon. So um, that was a real positive for me, but definitely a huge focus on school and education. And since school, honey, you've gone on to study at university. How's that experience been so far? Yeah, I've really enjoyed it, actually. So I'm, I'm studying marine science at Macquarie University currently. Um, and yeah, I've ticked off a couple units so far, just finishing a couple for this semester as well. But um, it's something I'm really passionate about. And I think it's really cool to be able to, you know, come home from cricket training and then find another passion. Um, it's not kind of something that it, it's... Um, a burden or anything it's something I kind of look forward to to have on the side of cricket but yeah I definitely uh, you know I could have had a gap year and kind of focused on cricket but I, I made that decision to go to uni and I'm definitely not regretting it right now. And marine science what drew you into that course? Yeah so I was tossing up between nutrition and marine science and I was kind of pretty set on nutrition um, I was always a science kid loved um, you know chem bio those kind of things never really wanted to do anything with English or that kind of stuff. I was always science based, um, not really mass based, but I would get done what I needed to. Um, and I just remember seeing in a nutrition paper, how much chemistry was involved. And at that point I was not loving chemistry um, and kind of got a little bit scared. Um, and then the next week, I remember we went away with the breakers up to Coffs Harbour and went and visited a dolphin park. And I remember just watching um, how they went about it and we're just kind of chilling watching the dolphins. And then they brought in a baby shark that had actually just got injured in the marina. And we kind of got to see the whole process of how they went about saving this shark. And it was a huge light bulb moment in terms of that's what I want to do, that I want to have that job where I get to save the shark or I get to bring in the shark. I get to be the person who saves the animal, that kind of stuff. And I sat there the rest of the day, everyone's watching the dolphins and the seals and the water going everywhere. And I'm sitting there scrolling through my phone at university degrees for marine science. And my friends were kind of like, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm going to study marine science next year. And yeah, got the marks I needed and now I get to do it. And where do you see yourself going with that you know, post-career, uh, post-cricket career? Is there a particular job you have in mind or you want to see what doors open up for you down the track? Yeah, I've kind of spoken to a couple of people around um, the course in terms of what's available and it, it's not going to kind of open up any doors until a bit further into the course just keep ticking off some of the basic units but I think the dream would be you know the the Great Barrier Reef in Australia is slowly deteriorating and it's in our own backyard so I think it'd be the coolest job post cricket um, you know live somewhere up there and scuba dive for a living um, you know something like that would just be the dream. And Hannah back on your cricket career to date you have watched and experienced firsthand the growth of the WBBL. You've been around the Thunder Squad now for, for three years. What does it mean to you to be part of such a trailblazing group? You know, the, yes, there's players that have come before you that have done an enormous amount for the growth of the women's game. But at this point in time, like we said, the WBBL is, is front and centre for so many young girls and boys. What does it mean for you to be a part of that group? Yeah, I think it's an amazing opportunity some of us young kids have at the moment because you know, the, the senior players have made this pathway for us to be able to play in a competition like this. But I feel like we have the responsibility now as these, you know, what we've got 15-year-olds to 20-year-olds in most teams. These are the people that kids are looking at in terms of, you know, they're only a couple of years older, older than me and they're doing it. So, um, yeah, I don't think we take responsibility in terms of, you know, being the ones that are the superstars of the game. You know, we've got, they've got their, themselves covered in terms of, there's so many out there in terms of those senior players, but 
yeah, I think we just look at it in terms of a way that we can be those kids that people look at um, and say that could be us and, you know, kind of give that, you know, hopefully a light bulb moment for them in terms of it's possible to be out there playing in the WBBL, um, you know, when you're a young kid. And if that, you know, changes the mindset in anyone that they want to be a professional cricketer, I think we've done our job. And is there a sense that your career's paved out for you, Hannah, or are you kind of well aware of the toil and hard work that that is still to come? Yeah, I think if I looked back maybe three years ago, I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was, you know, getting a contract at 15. um, You know, I was kind of shocked, but, you know, I had to wait my time. I had to do it the hard way. And I've, you know, spoken to a lot of girls in terms of I'm probably glad I did it the hard way. I didn't kind of get that game first year and I was set. Um, you know, I had to wait two years and I had to, to learn about myself, learn about my game. And I think I'm lucky I played when I was ready, um, not when I wasn't. So, yeah, I kind of look back and I know the hard toil, um, but I don't think I know the hard toil that some of the girls have had to go through. I know the senior players, um, you know, worked extremely hard to get to where they are now. Yeah, I guess I'm just lucky I've had that little experience of it that it's kind of um, led me to where I am. And what excites you most about the women's big bash league in the future you know we're, we're almost half a, we are half a decade through the competition's history what are you most excited about where it's going yeah a lot of people say they're excited how scores are going higher um you know stats are getting bigger and better but i kind of look at it in terms of you know we're creating one of the best domestic competitions in the world and i think it is at the moment um and that's what excites me in terms of other people want to come and play in this competition you know it's awesome that numbers are getting higher scores are getting higher but the fact that you know the excitement we're giving to people I think um, I am more happy to see the crowd numbers going up than the scores going up and I think that's really special in terms of the impact we're having on people and people around the world as well I I know the numbers in terms of overview overseas viewing is, is awesome and yeah I think it's just exciting when you get an international that comes in saying this is what they look forward to in the year. And those international players we see from all around the world, you know, whether it's England, India, South Africa, Pakistan, the West Indies, what have you learned from how people from other cultures and other countries play the game? Yeah, I love how everybody plays cricket differently, but we all still have that, that love of the sport. Um, and we've been lucky to have some awesome ones come through the Sydney Thunder. But I think it comes down to, you know, they're the best in their country and that's why they're out here playing for us. And it comes down to the fact that they know their game so well. Um, you know, Shab, Shab Nismail came out for us this year and so glad she's on my team because she was one, again, I avoided in the nets because it would have hurt if it hit me. <laughs> but, yeah, just the fire she brought and the competitiveness of the South, the South African grit I thought was awesome. But, yeah, these internationals are, you know, something else. And I think it's pretty cool that you get to play um, alongside and against people from different countries. And, Hannah, earlier this year, off the back of your WBBL success, you went on to join the Otago Sparks in the New Zealand domestic competition and impressed with your performances over there. What was it like for you, though, to go outside your comfort zone and, and to play over in a different composi- competition where perhaps you didn't know as many players as you do back home? Yeah, it was a big decision for me. I, I still wasn't 18 then. I was a 17-year-old kid um, given the opportunity to go and live in New Zealand for a month, and that was pretty cool. And... I was straight away, yes, um, on the phone to Otago, agreeing. And then I kind of sat down a couple of days before and I was like, you're going to be living overseas by yourself as a 17-year-old. You're going to have to sort your life out kind of thing. 
and it kind of hit me hard. But then I was on the plane next thing and I was pretty lucky that um, Lisa Griffiths was coming across with me, who's, um, you know, another amazing person to have um, on your side. So it was definitely the best decision I've ever made. I could have easily stayed stayed home, taken the safe option, um, train with the under-18s team to prepare for nationals, maybe try and fight for a spot in the breakers, train with them a couple of days a week. There was this option of kind of staying at home, having a safe summer and, and that kind of thing. But, you know, I, I took the leap. I went over there, um, met some really cool people, got to play alongside um, some of the best in the world, Susie Bates, Katie Martin, um, two legends of Otago cricket, two legends of New Zealand cricket. And I think the experience I have had over there kind of tops, you know, a perfect summer, I would say. Um, and yeah, definitely the best decision I've made. Um, some of the girls over there welcomed me really nicely. So um, there was no worry about not knowing anyone because I think after the first day, I, I was pretty tight with the group and had no problems there. But yeah, I think it's an experience I'll never forget. And if I can go back, I'll be there in a heartbeat. And that decision, as you said, it was one of the bigger ones you, you'd have to make to, to date. How did you go about, you would have had input from family, from coaches, from teammates. How did you go about kind of collecting that information and advice, but then making your own decision? Yeah, I guess I had a couple of different people to kind of get the tick of approval from. Um, and that was kind of the first step in terms of Cricket New South Wales had to let me go over there. So um, same as Cricket Australia. So as soon as I kind of got the tick, that kind of became real in terms of I now have to, to make the decision if I want to go or not. Um, I don't, I think dad was really keen. He's like, yeah, you go and play cricket in New Zealand for a summer. It'd be awesome. Um, and mum was a little bit worried and, and she admitted it to me. And I think that's the first time she's admitted she was actually a bit, a bit worried. Um, but uh, yeah, she was well aware that I had everything under control. Um, and if there was any 17 year old kid that would be able to live overseas, I think I'd be able to do it. I kind of got the tick of approval, um, made sure mum and dad were okay with it and not too stressed about it. Um, and then, yeah, kind of chatted to the under-18s coach because I was still a part of that program. And, yeah, then kind of got the tick of approval from the breakers coach that it's the best option to go across there instead of trying to fight um, for a spot in training situations with the breakers. So um, kind of got all the information together that um, this was the best decision for myself as a person and myself as a cricketer to, to go over there, and it definitely paid off. You hear a lot of people talk about if they've got the opportunity to travel, that it's it's such a beneficial thing. It really helps people grow. It helps people become independent. Can you put your finger on what the biggest change is for people when they go overseas or they just go to a different situation? Like what What is that piece of growth that you think um, is key to people's development? Yeah, I think um, there was a time over in New Zealand where, um, you know, I had a month, a week, not a month, a week to myself. Um, and it was kind of the, the decisions I made in that week where I actually had all the control. Um, I had the freedom to do whatever I wanted. And I kind of found out, you know, what makes me happy in terms of because I had the decision to do it. Um, and I think that's the biggest part in just that freedom and, and being able to experience new things. And some of the, the experiences I got to have were amazing. Um, meeting new people as well. I think creating new relationships, new friends, new mates you have for life. But um, you know, creating them from the start, but also building them really quickly because you're not there for that long. Um, and that's something we, you know, we have the pleasure of doing at home. You can kind of become a mate with someone over a couple of months, but the fact that you do it in a couple of days kind of shows the person you are and the people you draw yourself to. Um, and I was really lucky to get some really cool mates over there that I'll have for life. But yeah, I think I've been lucky enough to travel um, with cricket teams. I haven't really traveled by myself away from a cricket team yet, but every time 
I've always come back a better person, I think, and really enjoy the experience. This is the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media. For three decades, Penrith and the surrounding community has turned to the Western Weekender. Whether it's the Weekender's highly revered print edition or its up-to-date news offerings through its digital presence, the Weekender truly is the heartbeat of Penrith. Visit westernweekender.com.au or find your copy every Friday. And that summer was capped off almost in the perfect way. Hannah, when you went on to debut for the New South Wales Breakers, what did that mean to you? Yeah, I think I was pretty stoked when I was still over in New Zealand when Dom kind of sent me a, 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 no, he rang me actually and let me know that I'd probably be getting the call that I needed to come back to join the Breakers squad. Um, and I genuinely thought I was coming back to run drinks. I had no idea, um, you know, kind of played up possible 11s in my head. And I was like, there's no way they're going to play five quicks. That's We're playing at North Sydney Oval against Tassie and WA. We're not going to play five quicks. Like you aren't 12th. Like I ran it through my head so many times. I had a whole plane flight home to think about it and, you know, went down to under 18s first um, and had a shocking performance. I remember so perfectly that I had this stress of, oh, if you perform well, you'll, you'll maybe slide into the 11 somewhere. Um, and then I kind of got up there, trained with the breakers for a couple of weeks and then got the call and Dom's like, we're going to play five quicks. And I said, you're going to play five quicks at North Sydney Oval where quicks get smashed and I remember it and I was just kind of pacing around the living room in terms of I hadn't even thought the fact that you're actually going to make your debut I was like you're going to play five quicks and then I kind of went off to mum and I was like oh I'm going to play on the weekend and we're playing five quicks and she goes Hannah you're playing and I just burst into tears it was just me and mum home because I think you know the the fact that I wasn't even on a contract and you know, that was tough in itself in, in the first couple of months. But it, the realisation hit that you're actually going to walk out, make your debut at North Sydney Oval again, which I did for Thunder, which was super special. Um, and amongst the New South Wales girls, I think that was the nicest part in terms of this squad. Wasn't just the Thunder girls. This was the girls I've grown up playing with, grown up idolising. And the team that I wanted to play for first, I think I was a little bit sad that I didn't get to play for the Breakers before the Thunder. But to do it a couple of months after, I think it all hit in that one moment with mum where, where tears came um, and it didn't matter if we were playing five quicks because I was one of them. So, um, yeah, that was kind of um, how it hit. But, yeah, definitely one of the most special days of my life. I love, Hannah, that your first reaction is to, uh, to be comfortable to question the coach and the tactics. I think that's, that's credit to, uh, to the way you approach the game because I think um, it, it shows a sense of self-confidence. And as you said, it's, it's a truly special moment for you. I was going to ask actually what emotions you associated with it. Was it, along with the tears, was it relief? Was it nerves, excitement? What really resonated with you once you got that news? Yeah, I don't think relief came and, and neither did nerves because I've never really been one to be nervous. Um, I've been really lucky. Um, I'm kind of like what happens, happens. Um, so it was all excitement, I think. I didn't sleep the next two nights very well because I was playing, um, not I was playing any situations through my head. I was just playing the fact that, um, you know, you're going to finally run out there for the breakers and it was all excitement. Um, it's something I've wanted for a long time. So um, nerves probably hit the morning of. It kind of hit relief after the weekend was done that I was finally a breaker. I think that hit more after the games, but definitely excitement hit first um, with those emotions. And was the experience out there on North Sydney Oval as a New South Wales breaker for the first time, 
was the experience as expected for you? I think it was the perfect game to play as your debut, just the way the game went. I was quite happy with my performance, honestly, um, with the ball. But the way we won that game is how a New South Wales team wins a game. Um, we had our number 11 opening quick hit a four off the last ball to win. Um, is also my best mate. So I think I was sitting on the edge of my chair the whole time. Um, and it was just a way that New South Wales wins. So I think I was so lucky that that was my debut game that I remember how a New South Te Wales team wins. Um, and we always speak about it the New South Wales way. Um, that's what makes the breakers so special is they find ways to win no matter what the situation is. And the fact that, you know, I was able to play in one of those games that will be remembered as a way a New South Wales team wins um, was pretty special. And I think I kind of forgot it was my debut in a way just because I was so happy the breakers found a way to win. Yeah, I think that that'll really stand out. And that debut game, Hannah, did you notice a difference in experience and reflection when you consider with Sydney Thunder, the, the WBBL league is still in its infancy, whereas playing for New South Wales, the New South Wales breakers have, have steeped in decades and decades of history and legends of the game. Did that hit you, that sense of those who have come before you? Yeah, I think it hit me the most during the cap presentation. Um, Renee Farrell actually presented both my caps. So she presented my Thunder one and my Breakers one. But I just compare them and my Breakers one was so much, um, not because it was any difference of an occasion, but I just think there was so much more behind it in terms of you're getting a baggy blue. I think that was the coolest part. And we actually got to wear our baggy blues that game because it was we had the, the past Breakers coming and joining us. So that was really special as well. Um, it was pretty cool that I got to be there the game, the, break, the Breakers wore their baggy. Um, but, yeah, I think I didn't shed a tear during my Thundercat presentation, but I definitely shed one during my, my Breakers one. Um, I had family there. I had my mentor, batting coach, um, Rod Bauer there as well. So it was little things that kind of I didn't do during um, the big bash that kind of made me realise how special it was to be playing for the Breakers and... I've grown up watching the Breakers. I know the Breakers is the team that won 10 years in a row. Um, you know, I was the little kid standing in the stands watching the, the Breakers, um, you know, when I was younger than when the Big Bash started. So I think there's that little bit more history behind the Breakers and probably why I wanted it a bit more and maybe before I played for Thunder, but definitely living the dream in terms of being a Breaker. And Hannah, this year as a contracted player with New South Wales, you are one of the leaders of that group. What are, what are you hoping to share with the rest of the group? And is there someone that you model yourself on as a leader? Yeah, I think our, our leadership group this year is really special. And I was quite shocked when I, I got the opportunity to join the group. Um, you know, some of the, you've got Alyssa Healy, Rachel Haynes, Lisa Griffiths and, and Lauren Cheadle in the group. And, and these are some of the best players to, to be a breaker and some of the, the strongest minded people I know. So um, I've kind of modelled about how Rach goes about it. I think she's a really awesome captain in terms of speaking when she needs to um, and not saying um, bringing my captaincy onto the field, but I think off the field in terms of how she does it in, you know, when Rach speaks, it's something that's warranted and something you, you need to take in. And that's something uh, I've learned over time and you don't always need to speak to your players. And that just comes back to the, the trust in them. Um, but when you do make sure it's warranted um, and that's just coming back to the respect. Cause I know once you speak, um, you know, it is something to take on board. And then, in terms of how Alyssa Healy goes about her leadership around the group, it's leading from the front. You don't have to be a good player to lead from the front, but the way she goes about her training is awesome. Um, and then I learned from Lauren Cheadle and Lisa Griffiths in terms of just how they communicate with their players. 
is spot on. Like if I need to have a conversation, I could easily sit back and go, how would Cheats or LG have this conversation? I know that's exactly how it needs to happen. So I've definitely got four of the best leaders to learn off. But in saying that, I've kind of got the job of looking after all the youngsters in the group and half the breakers are probably below 20. So <laughs> I think it's pretty lucky I'm mates with them all. So it makes it my job a lot easier. In 2018, Hannah, you joined the best Aboriginal cricketers in, in our country on a commemorative tour uh, to the UK. As a proud Camilleroy woman, what, what role does culture have in your life? Yeah, I've always um, loved any opportunity I get to put um, an Indigenous jersey on, and that was definitely one of the most special moments I've had. I, I'll definitely say that that tour and some of the moments a part of that tour will be the best moments of my cricketing career both on and off the field I think it will top anything I could ever do on the field um, and that's just because of the the moments it creates in terms of connection to culture um, that you can't experience anywhere else and I think being around people that have the love of cricket but also the love of their culture around you all at the same time is super special and that tour is something I look back on um, I've watched the doco so many times just because I want to go back and and look at how that tour was because it was super special definitely one of the coolest things I've ever been a part of but and just being able to connect to culture in a way like that and learn so much. I think that's the most I've ever learned in a two week period. Um, and it was amazing. And I think some of the information I could bring back, um, I always go back to in terms of, you know, when I've got a, whether I've got an indigenous Jersey on or not, I'm always representing my culture and my family. Um, and if I can, you know, kind of help an indigenous kid out anywhere, just by being a role model, um, I'm kind of doing my job. And if you, had the opportunity to to explore your family's indigenous culture yeah it's it's a working progress at the moment um we only kind of found out a couple of years ago so um we're slowly figuring out and trying to get the family to to be a bit more open to it and kind of learn because i know um, my part of the family is definitely very keen to learn but um you know it's a very old-fashioned country family so um we, yeah, we're slowly learning um and i think it's exciting to see how we're all kind of learning as a family at the same kind of speed. So, um, you know, I'm always checking in with cousins and my uncle and, and everything like that. So, um, yeah, I'm kind of excited for, for learning in the future more. And you're also excited about the opportunity that cricket and culture can play hand in hand, you know, the opportunity to, to educate, to raise awareness and, and really to, to bring communities together. Yeah, I think the power of sport that it has in, in the Indigenous communities is amazing. And, you know, we've always kind of said that sport brings everyone together, but I think it brings Indigenous communities together even more. Um, you look at some of the athletes that are out there showing their culture and as proud as they can be um, and are being role models for the kids all over the country um, is really special. And, yeah, I, I wouldn't quite say um, sport is doing um, the job it can, but I think it, it's really pushing in terms of um, you know, making a difference and creating a platform, I think, just to have conversations around this, this kind of stuff. And yeah, it's really special to, to hopefully have a role in that. Hannah, it's been an incredible three or four years, if not more for you. It's been such an amazing journey. How do you stay grounded through everything? As we said, a contract at 15, um, you know, you've played for multiple professional teams now what is it exactly that you do? Is it a conscious choice to, to remain in that moment? Yeah, I think it comes back to the fact that mum and dad taught me so early just by little things to go and hang out with school friends instead of cricket friends. Um, they've always really kept me really grounded. Um, and yeah, I think I'm quite lucky that I, I learned it quite early, but 
Um, as I said before, I'm always one just to figure out what's going on in the moment. Um, I'm not really one to look ahead. I'm always kind of have that mindset is I'm where I am meant to be now. Um, and yeah, I think that's kind of lucky that it's instilled in me so early. Um, and hopefully that's something I can pass on to other kids coming through as well, because it's so important to realize that cricket isn't everything, but when it is going well, enjoy it. Um, you know, then turn around the next day and do it again. And do you believe in life, Hannah, that we find ourselves or we create ourselves as people in the sense that do you think the path is laid out for us already or that you have to make decisions to shape your journey? Yeah, I'm kind of one in terms of putting it in both ways and you can't find yourself unless you've created something. Um, I don't think a path is laid down for anyone and it might seem, you know, a couple paths are laid down, but you've got to create the one you want to take. Um, so I'm real big on you know, creating a path that you want to take in one that's going to work best for you because the path laid down might not be the ones that, yeah, you might find yourself, but are you going to be able to create something special? So um, I'm all about making a difference. And um, yeah, I think you've got to create yourself to do that. And would you change anything up until this point? As I said, it's been an incredible journey. Are you, do you live with any regrets or looking back or it's all move ahead? Yeah, like I said, not one to look ahead or behind. Um, I'm pretty stoked with where I am right now and I wouldn't change anything. I think running drinks was the best thing for my career and I'd do it over again. Um, I took it competitively. I, I made sure those drinks were as good as they could have been and I think that shows the person I am in terms of I'll find anything competitive to keep me going. But I think, you know, I'm an 18-year-old kid as a professional cricketer doing a degree I love and I'm living the dream. I say it when people ask how you're going, I say just living the dream and I think it answers the question perfectly. Um, so I would definitely not change a thing. And just to mark time, we're chatting here in September 2020. What does the next kind of six to 12 months have in store for you? You're about to head in to another WBBL season with Sydney Thunder before the New South Wales Breakers season kicks off. But what are you, what are you hoping to achieve, even on a personal level, over this next little period? Yeah, I think next season's going to be a big one. Um, and I'm super excited that I finally kind of had a, a pre-season to go behind one. It's been a long pre-season. So, um, you know, I'm as fit as I've ever been. I'm cricket smart. Um, I've got everything kind of sorted in where I want to be exactly to play games. And Big Bash will, will come around. And I think um, as long as I'm not putting expectation to do what I did last year, um, I, I'll be happy. Um, I'm ready to go out there and do whatever I can to win games for the Sydney Thunder. And it's as simple as that. You know, what can I contribute to the team? Um, and I think off the field, it's just going to be how can I figure out who I am because that's what the best players um, are good at, knowing themselves the best. Hannah, thank you so much for your time. Uh, thank you for being part of the Passion and Perspective podcast and for sharing your incredible story. Wishing you all the best. Thanks, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Passion and Perspective podcast brought to you by Sporting Chance Media and proudly presented by the Western Weekender.